1: This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Damon Fairless. This year's UN Climate Change Conference hasn't even officially begun yet, and COP28 is already off to a bad start.
0: With just days to go before the UN's climate change summit, which gets underway in Dubai on Thursday, the president of COP28 is facing calls to resign after leaked documents seen by the BBC appear to show that the United Arab Emirates has been using its role as host as an opportunity
1: to strike oil and gas deals. It's not a good look following the hottest summer on record in an unprecedented wildfire season. The annual negotiations are meant to bring the world together to address the climate crisis, to limit the global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees by doing things like phasing out fossil fuels and achieving net-zero emissions by 2050. And here in Canada, on top of the carbon tax, a major part of the government's plan is a massive investment in electric vehicles. It's the size of more than 300 football fields and set to be the site of Canada's newest electric vehicle battery plant. The deal with Swedish company Northvolt is the latest in a string of government investments in the EV industry, including a Volkswagen battery plant in St. Thomas, Ontario. Today, ahead of COP28, we're asking why the government is pouring billions of dollars into electric vehicles despite debate about the industry, and what this major investment means for Canada's ability to hit critical emissions targets. Here with me now is John Woodside. He's an Ottawa-based climate reporter for the National Observer, right now, he's in Dubai to cover the summit. Hey, John. Thanks for coming on Front Burner. Hey, thanks for inviting me. Okay, so I, I want to start by just getting a better idea of what exactly the Canadian government is doing when it comes to pouring money into the electric vehicle industry. Can, can you kind of walk me through some of that?
0: Yeah, the, the federal government's pouring a, a fair bit of money into this. I mean, they're trying to attract... Uh, major battery plants in uh, Ontario and Quebec, especially,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's, been, there's been a lot of effort in recent years to build the supply chains that are going to be able to you know allow electric vehicles to really take off. So there's a few things for that, right? I mean, there is the charging infrastructure, uh, electric vehicle charging stations being built across the country. But a lot of the big ticket stuff, investments that are attracting headlines, right? Uh, these are the big battery plants. You know, the multi-billion dollar investments. This facility will be able to produce batteries for a million electric vehicles a year. And at full production capacity, the plant will contribute up to $1.6 billion to our economy. You know, from from the federal government's point of view, they're working to secure, like, these anchor plants. These major, major plants that are going to create lots of jobs, create lots of batteries, and in theory... The idea there is it'll power the uh, the shift to uh, green transportation, but you know, as as I suspect, we're going to get into here. There's a lot of bumps on this road.
1: Yeah, and, and I do want to get into those. And and just you know, just to clarify too, we're talking about billions of dollars in you know taxpayer money to, for things like battery battery plants, production facilities, right? Mm-hmm,
0: exactly. Yeah. So, two point seven billion uh, for battery plants, uh, six hundred forty million for the new Ford EV plants, right? a Volkswagen uh, battery plant in Ontario. There's a Stellantis uh, battery plant in Ontario.
1: We have announced that Canada and Ontario will be sharing the investments in Stellantis and VW, two thirds, one third, in those two projects.
0: North Fulton, Quebec. We're talking about $30 billion of investment, minimum 16,000 jobs, well-paid jobs, jobs of the future. We're building an industry. Uh, just a
1: tremendous amount of money going into it. Yeah, Canada's federal and provincial governments have invested. I think just over seven and a half billion dollars in the last three years in electric vehicle battery plans. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so so from the outside, it seems counterintuitive in terms of timing that the government's investing this kind of money in EVs because we're we're seeing major automakers pull back their investments, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Ford is delaying about $12 billion worth of battery plant spending in uh, Kentucky.
1: Kentucky 2 plant was expected to start production in 2026, but that will be adjusted. Ford is looking at the operational schedule of that plant and looking to be at least a little bit flexible depending on the demand for EVs in the market.
0: Its EV business has been losing money, um, $1.3 billion this past quarter.
1: The U.S. car manufacturer now says it'll produce 600,000 electric cars sometime in 2024 instead of this year.
0: And, uh, you know, and there's others too. I mean, uh, General Motors no longer setting EV production targets. We're seeing Mercedes saying the market for electric vehicles is a brutal space because of pricing and, and interest. Uh, I mean, and, and basically, like, I mean, we're seeing it industry-wide. It's it's just planted uh, across the board. So,
1: John, we just... Did an episode on the fall economic statement last week, and the federal government has a very tight fiscal outlook coming up.
0: The government's fall economic statement outlines relatively modest new spending, $21 billion over six years, most aimed at housing and targeted programs to ease affordability at a time when many are worried
1: about both. So money is not going to be flowing like crazy. From the perspective of the Canadian government, what do you imagine the thinking is behind going all in on investing in EVs right now?
0: well okay so I think the thinking right now is that uh transportation emissions are a problem uh, and we need to do something about it you know we need to lower those and what this is really trying to do is bridge the gap between where we think we should be which is you know more electric vehicles on the road and where we are now which is not
1: enough but I get the sense that Canada is trying to lay the groundwork for for a future industry here, right? Like that they're trying to keep up or they're trying to get a foot in the door as the big economies like China and the US go ahead with their EV investment. There's an economic argument here for putting this much money into uh, EV development, is there not?
0: Yeah. So uh, in the United States, uh, I mean, Joe Biden's Uh, Inflation Reduction Act was a a monumental piece of legislation that put a tremendous amount of money into into the energy transition, into all sorts of green policies. I mean, clean energy, uh, electric vehicles.
1: Biden said the legislation has already created 170,000 clean energy jobs and will create some 1.5 million jobs over the next decade, while significantly cutting the nation's carbon emissions. Hmm.
0: And so... What Canada is doing here, I mean, we're, we're trying to respond to this, uh, you know, economic behemoth just to the south of us, right? I mean, we need to stay competitive with them. <laughs> so a lot of the policies that are under development right now, um, you know, are aimed at this. I mean, the Budget 2023 published uh, this spring, it was basically Ottawa's response to this. Uh, the fall economic statement was uh, pretty, I mean, pretty, uh, pretty short on climate measures, but but big picture, yeah, this this is what we're responding to. I mean, the major economies of the world are in transition, and uh, Canada's choice here is either keep up or be left behind. And and I say it that way because we're, we've squandered the opportunity to lead.
1: Yeah, so th- there's a, a 2022 report from Clean Energy Canada, and, and it estimated that we have a potential to build a domestic EV battery supply chain that could support up- to something like a quarter million jobs by 2030 and add something like 48 billion to the economy. So I'm just thinking of all this spending that's going into developing EVs. So the Canadian government's no stranger to propping up the auto industry. I'm thinking here specifically of the both the federal and the Ontario government's bailout of GM and Chrysler in 2009.
0: About $13.7 billion in taxpayers' assistance to really save the auto sector from from going under in the chaos of the global financial crisis. And it wasn't just the
1: federal I, I'm curious, th- this is different though, right? The, is, there, is there a sense... That the auto companies are are actually committed to moving away from fossil fuels and, and hitting climate targets.
0: My read on it, unfortunately, is that they're not as committed as they should be. Um, they might be interested in it if they think this is where they can make money. But you know, auto manufacturers are not uh, they're they're not climate champions. Uh, I mean, the question even kind of calls to mind for me the Volkswagen scandal from a few years ago, where the company got caught cheating its emissions.
1: Evidence shows smog levels continue to grow in Europe, despite increased claims of clean technology, and that prompted a U.S. group to run road tests. Its results showed Volkswagen emissions of nitrogen oxide were up to 40 times higher when samples were collected from cars on the road compared to those in the lab. There's already been some blowback for the government in terms of EV production. So there was a, a plan to use 900 foreign workers to install equipment at the electric vehicle Battery plant in Windsor, Ontario. And it was called an insult to Canada's tradespeople. The federal government says it's on the same page as trade unions, and there was an emergency meeting held in Ottawa this week to discuss it. So I guess I'm curious, what do you think this controversy says about how much control the federal government actually has after big investments like these are made?
0: Fantastic question. Uh, This is, I think, one of the big challenges the federal government has right now is it wants to incentivize the market to to do things like you know build battery plants, but then you end up in this situation like this where where it's not done in the way that uh, the public is supportive of. So the federal government doesn't have a tremendous amount of control over uh, over these projects. They're starting to look for ways to to do it in budget twenty twenty three. It uh, spelled out a lot of different uh, clean energy clean energy and in, in quotes tax credits and and I put in quotes because some of them are fuzzy, but They spelt out a bunch of clean energy tax credits, and part of part of how these tax credits work, you basically get benefit if you're paying union wages. Uh, You know, they're starting to try to find ways to incentivize companies paying a better wage without really making anything mandatory. So if the question is how much control do they have? Not a lot. This is a very strange and frustrating story. To have your family member stolen and murdered, then missing. I'm Connie Walker, and this is Missing and Murdered, Finding Cleo.
1: It's such a mystery, such an impossible task. Please, help us find her. Finding Cleo. If you'd like to hear more,
0: you can find the full season wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay. So John, before we talk about COP28 and how electric vehicles fit into climate targets there, they they have kind of lost their shine recently, electric vehicles. So I, I guess what I was hoping you could do is maybe break apart the pro and cons of going full throttle into EV investment for me.
0: Okay. Yeah. So pro, uh, we need to cut fossil fuels and we need to phase out internal combustion engines if we are going to meet the climate targets, um, another argument for electric vehicles would be that a lot of the concerns people have had over the years have been addressed through innovation. Um, batteries are getting better, production's getting more efficient, mm-hmm. uh, their range anxiety is going away as electric chargers uh, get built out. This is These are arguments why people would go for
1: it. Okay, and And so the cons?
0: The flip side, of course, is that There are still environmental concerns, not just with uh, the production of the car itself, but uh, with the batteries, all the environmental harm that comes from mining these critical minerals. That's a very real concern. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the cons are that, uh, unfortunately, it's not a silver bullet to our transportation emissions.
1: Okay, so there's also this there's kind of this middle ground that some car manufacturers are taking to where uh, they're shying away from full on. Uh, investment in electric vehicles, but then, for instance, Ford has pivoted to embracing hybrids, right? But there's there's also an environmental case against hybrids, right?
0: But Yes, hybrids. Hybrids have lots of concerns. I mean, hybrids. So the, the idea of a hybrid, right? Uh, you can charge. <laughs> you can charge the battery and take your short trips on electric. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're concerned about range, you can also fuel it up with gas and, and go on your long trips. The problem here is twofold. One, uh, you're not getting away from all the issues we've talked about with EVs. I mean, you're still talking about batteries. You're still talking about all the manufacturing issues. Right. But when it comes to the hybrid vehicles and, and taking long trips, you know, it's not the number of trips that that matters. It's the amount of fuel you're burning. Right. Um, and if you're going to go on a road trip with uh, your hybrid. Uh, you know, it doesn't really matter that it's a hybrid if you're burning gas the whole way.
1: So that's some of the debate about uh, electric vehicles and and investing heavily in them, depending on them as kind of the silver bullet, as you mentioned. So I, I want to take us to where you are now. You're in Dubai for cop 28 um, this year's United Nations Climate Change Conference is about to get started and one of the big conversations is going to be getting countries to agree to phase out fossil fuels um, and you know what happens if these things are that countries take stock of where they are in that in that um, process. So I guess I was hoping what you could do is t- tell me where is Canada right now when it comes to hitting our emissions targets?
0: Uh, Canada is off track. Uh, Canada has the widest gap between our target uh, and our and our actual policies out of uh, any country the United Nations has, uh, uh looked at. You know, ju- the Justin Trudeau government is really pushing uh, a climate agenda. Um, of course, it could be more ambi- ambitious, and it you know will need to be more ambitious. But it is it's a fair amount of progress. They just haven't gotten all the policies in to uh, to actually implement it, which functionally leaves us, uh, off track and and it hurts our credibility.
1: That's really interesting because there's a report from the environment commissioner, Jerry DeMarco saying that Canada is actually on track for a 34% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030, not the 40% reduction promised by uh, Trudeau. And, and for some, even that 40% target wasn't anywhere good enough. So, so then how important is cutting down transportation emissions to our overall climate
0: goal? Cutting transportation emissions is pretty crucial. And so in Canada, we talk about the oil and gas sector being the country's largest and growing source of emissions, which is true. Uh, but transportation is is second. Now, the, the, the reason why transportation is an important one to focus on is because the oil and gas production, you know, when, when Suncor pulls oil out of the ground it needs to sell it to someone, right? And, and so it needs to sell it to a, a refinery that's going to turn it into a fuel that you're going to burn in your car. This is how it works. So if we can phase out gas-powered cars by tackling those transportation sector emissions, then you are tackling the, the demand side.
1: So, so, so help me understand, how, how critical is the switch over to electric vehicles when it comes to cutting these carbon emissions?
0: Switching to electric is very, very important. Uh, I mean, we're going to need to see our, not only the cars that we use personally uh, go electric, but we're going to need to see buses made electric. We're going to need to see the federal uh, the federal fleet made electric, you know, Canada post, etc. cetera. So it, it, it's crucial. I mean, we're going to need to see transportation move electric. There isn't going to be room for burning fossil fuels um, to power the way we move in the future. Um, not not if we're going to have uh, a habitable planet anyway.
1: Okay, so before we go, I, I, I just want to point out there's a pretty deep irony. Uh, so according to the BBC, the United Arab Emirates planned to use its role there at the COP28 uh, summit to... Talk about making oil and gas deals. So I guess I want, I want to ask, what happens if we don't move towards zero emissions vehicles fast enough?
0: If we don't move to zero emission vehicles fast enough, then we're not going to cut emissions fast enough. You know, as, as we've been talking about uh, through this whole conversation, electric vehicles are not the the silver bullet solution that does everything. But they, it can be a part of a comprehensive, holistic Uh, solution to climate change. I mean, which involves living more sustainably. I mean, it's going to involve tackling aviation as well as uh, vehicles. But uh, this is a very, very pivotal moment this decade for the world and for climate action. The reason why is because the the, the reason the Paris Agreement was signed where the goal is to hold global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius uh, from pre-industrial levels. Mm -hmm. The reason why that is an important goal is because we are already in a the world's sixth mass extinction event. The last one was the dinosaurs. This fossil fuel climate crisis is uh, destroying the Earth that allowed humanity to flourish. Without a stable climate, uh, the stability of everything we have falls apart. So, to avoid crossing really dangerous tipping points, um, things like the permafrost thawing in the Arctic, releasing you know like an overwhelming unbelievable amount of methane into the atmosphere that's why the world's making all this effort to to hold global warming
1: that's a fairly discouraging (laughs) note to end on
0: uh that's my specialty
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right well john thank you thanks so much i appreciate you taking time to, to take us through it
0: i really appreciate you having me on um thank you It was fun
1: All right, that's it for today. I'm Damon Fairless. Thanks for listening to Front Burner. I'll talk to you tomorrow. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.